Section 26C of Pamela or Virtue Rewarded. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela or Virtue Rewarded by Samuel Richardson. Section 26C. I see, madam, said I, you are resolved not to be pleased with any answer I shall return. If I should say I am not, then your ladyship will call me hard names, and, perhaps, I should tell a fib. If I should say I am, your ladyship will ask how I have the impudence to be so, and will call it a sham marriage. I will, said she, be answered more directly. Why, what, madam, does it signify what I think? Your ladyship will believe as you please. But canst thou have the vanity, the pride, the folly? said she, to think thyself actually married to my brother? He is no fool, child, and libertine enough of conscience, and thou art not the first in the list of his credulous harlots. Well, well, said I, and was in a sad flutter, as I am easy and pleased with my lot, pray, madam, let me continue so as long as I can. It will be time enough for me to know the worst when the worst comes, and if it should be so bad, your ladyship should pity me, rather than thus torment me before my time. Well, said she, but dost not think I am concerned that a young wench, whom my poor dear mother loved so well, should thus cast herself away and suffer herself to be deluded and undone, after such a noble stand as thou madest for so long a time? I think myself far from being deluded and undone, and am as innocent and virtuous as ever I was in my life. Thou liest, child, said she. So your ladyship told me twice before. She gave me a slap on the hand for this, and I made a low curtsy and said, I humbly thank your ladyship, but I could not refrain tears, and added, Your dear brother, madam, however, won't thank your ladyship for this usage of me, though I do. Come a little nearer me, my dear, said she, and thou shalt have a little more than that to tell him of, if thou thinkest thou hast not made mischief enough already between a sister and brother. But, child, if he was here, I would serve thee worse, and him too. I wish he was, said I. Dost thou threaten me, mischief-maker, and insolent as thou art? Now pray, madam, said I, but got to a little distance, be pleased to reflect upon all that you have said to me, since I have had the honour, or rather misfortune, to come into your presence. Whether you have said one thing befitting your ladyship's degree to me, even supposing I was the wench and the creature you imagine me to be. Come hither, my pert dear, replied she. Come but within my reach for one moment, and I'll answer thee as thou deservest. To be sure she meant to box my ears, but I should not be worthy my happy lot if I could not show some spirit. When the cloth was taken away, I said, I suppose I may now depart your presence, madam? I suppose not, said she. Why, I'll lay thee a wager, child, thy stomach's too full to eat, and so thou mayest fast till thy mannerly master comes home. Pray your ladyship, said her woman, let the poor girl sit down at table with Mrs. Jukes and me said I, you are very kind, Mrs. Warden, but times, as you said, are much altered with me, 
and I have been of late so much honored with better company that I can't stoop to yours. Was ever such confidence, said my lady. Poor Beck, poor Beck, said her kinsman. Why, she beats you quite out of the pit. Will your ladyship, said I, be so good as to tell me how long I am to tarry? For you'll please to see by that letter that I am obliged to attend my master's commands. And so I gave her the dear gentleman's letter from Mr. Carlton's, which I thought would make her use me better, as she might judge by it of the honor done me by him. Aye, said she, this is my worthy brother's hand. It is directed to Mrs. Andrews. That's to you, I suppose, child? And so she ran on, making remarks as she went along, in this manner. My dearest Pamela, mighty well. I hope my not coming home this night will not frighten you. Vastly tender indeed, and did it frighten you, child? You may believe I can't help it. No, to be sure, a person in thy way of life is more tenderly used than an honest wife, but mark the end of it. I could have wished, Prithee, Jackie, mind this, we, mind the significant we, had not engaged to the good neighborhood at Sir Simon's for to-morrow night. Why, does the good neighborhood and Sir Simon permit thy visits, child? They shall have none of mine, then, I'll assure them. But I am so desirous to set out on Wednesday for the other house. So, Jackie, but we just nicked it, I find. That, as well as in return for the civilities of so many good friends, who will be there on purpose, I would not put it off. Now mind, Jackie, what I beg of you, mind the wretch that could use me and your uncle as he has done, he has turned beggar to this creature. I beg of you, therefore, my dear, my dear, there's for you, I wish I may not be quite sick before I get through. What I beg of you, therefore, my dear, and then she looked me full in the face, is that you will go down in the chariot to Sir Simon's the sooner in the day the better. Dear heart, and why so, when we were not expected till night? Why, pray observe the reason, hm, said she. Because you will be diverted with the company. Mighty kind indeed, who all, Jackie, Jackie, mind this, who all so much admire you. Now he'd a been hanged before he would have said so complacent a thing had he been married, I'm sure. Very true, aunt said he, a plain case, that. Thought I, that's hard upon poor matrimony, though I hope my lady don't find it so, but I durst not speak out. Who all so much admire you, said she, I must repeat that, pretty miss, I wish thou wast as admirable for thy virtue as for that baby face of thine. And I hope to join you there by your tea-time in the afternoon, so you're in very good time, child, an hour or two hence, to answer all your important pre-engagements, which will be better than going home and returning with you, as it will be six miles difference to me, and I know the good company will excuse my dress on this occasion. Very true, any dress is good enough, I'm sure, for such company as admire thee, child, for a companion in thy ruined state. Jacky, Jacky, mind, mind again, more fine things still. I count every hour of this little absence for a day. There's for you, let me repeat it. I count every hour of this little absence for a day. Mind, too, the wit of the good man. One may see love is a new thing to him. 
here is a very tedious time gone since he saw his dearie no less than according to his amorous calculation a dozen days and nights at least and yet tedious as it is it is but a little absence well said my good accurate and consistent brother but wise men in love are always the greatest simpletons but now comes the reason for why this little absence which at the same time is so great an absence is so tedious for i am i now for it with the utmost sincerity my dearest love out upon dearest love i shall never love the word again pray bid your uncle never call me dearest love jacky for ever yours but brother thou liest thou knowest thou dost and so my good lady andrews or what shall i call you your dearest love will be for ever yours and hast thou the vanity to believe this but stay here's a postscript the poor man knew not when to have done to his dearest love he's sadly in for it truly why his dearest love you are mighty happy in such a lover if you could go to dine with them cry you mercy my dearest love now comes the pre-engagement it will be a freedom that will be very pleasing to them and the more as they don't expect it well so much for this kind letter but you see you cannot honor this admiring company with this little expected and but in complaisance to his folly i dare say little desired freedom and i cannot forbear admiring you so much myself my dearest love that i will not spare you at all this whole evening for tis a little hard if thy master's sister may not be blessed a little bit with thy charming company so i found i had shown her my letter to very little purpose and repented it several times as she read on well then said i i hope your ladyship will give me leave to send my excuses to your good brother and say that your ladyship is come and is so fond of me that you will not let me leave you pretty creature said she and wantest thou thy good master to come and quarrel with his sister on thy account but thou shalt not stir from my presence and i would now ask thee what it is thou meanest by showing me this letter why madam said i to show your ladyship how i was engaged for this day and evening and for nothing else said she why i can't tell madam said i but if you can collect from it any other circumstances i might hope i should not be the worse treated i saw her eyes began to sparkle with passion and she took my hand and said grasping it very hard i know confident creature that thou showedest me to insult me you showed it me to let me see that he could be civiler to a beggar born than to me or to my good lord davers you showed it me as if you'd have me to be as credulous a fool as yourself to believe your marriage true when i know the whole trick of it and have reason to believe you do too and you showed it me to upbraid me with his stooping to such painted dirt to the disgrace of a family ancient and untainted beyond most in the kingdom and now i will give thee one hundred guineas for one bold word that i may fell thee at my foot was not this very dreadful to be sure i had better have kept the letter from her i was quite frightened and this fearful menace and her fiery eyes and rageful countenance made me lose all my courage so i said weeping good your ladyship pity me 
indeed i am honest indeed i am virtuous indeed i would not do a bad thing for the world though i know said she the whole trick of thy pretended marriage and thy foolish ring here and all the rest of the wicked nonsense yet i should not have patience with thee if thou shouldst but offer to let me know thy vanity prompts thee to believe thou art married to my brother i could not bear the thought so take care pamela take care beggarly brat take care good madam said i spare my dear parents they are honest and industrious they were once in a very creditable way and never were beggars misfortunes may attend anybody and i can bear the cruelest imputations on myself because i know my innocence but upon such honest industrious parents who went through the greatest trials without being beholden to anything but god's blessing and their own hard labor i cannot bear reflection what art thou setting up for a family creature as thou art god give me patience with thee i suppose my brother's folly and his wickedness together will in a little while occasion a search at the herald's office to set out thy wretched obscurity provoke me i desire thou wilt one hundred guineas will i give thee to say but thou thinkest thou art married to my brother your ladyship i hope won't kill me and since nothing i can say will please you but your ladyship is resolved to quarrel with me since i must not say what i think on one hand or another whatever your ladyship designs by me be pleased to do and let me depart your presence she gave me a slap on the hand and reached to box my ear but mrs jukes hearkening without and her woman too they both came in at that instant and mrs jukes said pushing herself in between us your ladyship knows not what you do indeed you don't my master would never forgive me if i suffered in his house one he so dearly loves to be so used and it must not be though you are lady davers her woman too interposed and told her i was not worth her ladyship's anger but she was like a person beside herself i offered to go out and mrs jukes took my hand to lead me out but her kinsman set his back against the door and put his hand to his sword and said i should not go till his aunt permitted it he drew it half-way and i was so terrified that i cried out oh the sword the sword and not knowing what i did i ran to my lady herself and clasped my arms about her forgetting just then how much she was my enemy and said sinking on my knees defend me good your ladyship the sword the sword mrs jukes said oh my lady will fall into fits but lady davers was herself so startled at the matter being carried so far that she did not mind her words and said jacky don't draw your sword you see as great as her spirit is she can't bear that come said she be comforted he shan't frighten you i'll try to overcome my anger and will pity you so wench rise up and don't be foolish mrs jukes held her salts to my nose and i did not faint and my lady said mrs jukes if you would be forgiven leave pamela and me by ourselves and jacky do you withdraw only you beck stay so i sat down in the window all in a sad fluster for to be sure i was sadly frightened said her woman you should not sit in my lady's presence mrs pamela 
"'Yes, let her sit till she is a little recovered of her fright,' said my lady, "'and do you set my chair by her.' And so she sat over against me and said, "'To be sure, Pamela, you have been very provoking with your tongue. To be sure you have, as well upon my nephew, who is a man of quality too, as me.' And palliating her cruel usage, and beginning, I suppose, to think herself she had carried it further than she could answer it to her brother, she wanted to lay the fault upon me. Own, said she, you have been very saucy, and beg my pardon, and beg Jackie's pardon, and I will try to pity you. For you are a sweet girl, after all, if you had but held out and been honest. Tis injurious to me, madame, said I, to imagine I am not honest. Said she, have you not been abed with my brother? Tell me that. Your ladyship, replied I, asks your questions in a strange way and in strange words. Oh, your delicacy is wounded, I suppose, by my plain questions. This niceness will soon leave you, wench. It will indeed. But answer me directly. Then your ladyship's next question, said I, will be, am I married? and you won't bear my answer to that, and will beat me again. I hadn't beat you yet, have I, Beck? said she. So you want to make out a story, do you? But indeed I can't bear thou shouldst so much as think thou art my sister. I know the whole trick of it, and so tis my opinion dost thou. It is only thy little cunning that it might look like a cloak to thy yielding, and get better terms from him. Prithee, prithee, wench, Thou seest I know the world a little, almost as much at thirty-two as thou dost at sixteen. Remember that. I rose from the window, and walking to the other end of the room, Beat me again, if you please, said I, but I must tell your ladyship I scorn your words, and am as much married as your ladyship. At that she ran to me, but her woman interposed again. Let the vain wicked creature go from your presence, madame said she, she is not worthy to be in it. She will but vex your ladyship. Stand away, Beck, said she. That's an assertion I would not take from my brother. I can't bear it. As much married as I. Is that to be born? But if the creature believes she is, madame, said her woman, she is to be as much pitied for her credulity as despised for her vanity. I was in hopes to have slipped out at the door, but she caught hold of my gown and pulled me back. "'Pray, your ladyship,' said I, "'don't kill me. I have done no harm.' But she locked the door and put the key in her pocket. So, seeing Mrs. Jukes before the window, I lifted up the sash and said, "'Mrs. Jukes, I believe it would be best for the chariot to go to your master and let him know that Lady Davers is here and I cannot leave her ladyship.' She was resolved to be displeased, let me say what I would. End of section 26C